Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to let the band go in just a moment. Wasn't sure until just then whether I'd go with this part of it or not, but I'm going to. Want you to stay with me for just a second. There was a prophet named Elijah. And sometimes when you put yourself out there, there's a like a prophet. God will speak to you. And we read that the Lord said to Elijah, he's probably just doing his own business. And the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in a village near the city of Sidon and I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Widows didn't have a lot of money. So he went. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw the widow gathering some sticks and he asked her, see, see this, is, this is where I've been. He asked her just for a little bit of water. Because to be totally honest, you don't want to ask for too much, right? The Lord said, go. And he went. But he started and it says, firstly, he just asked for a little cup of water. That's not really going to hurt a widow. She can draw that out of the well. That's okay. And then I can just imagine Elijah, human, looking at this widow, knowing that she had nothing. As she was going to get it, he's probably like, Ugh. would you get me a little bread as well? <laughs> to the widow. And then I reckon he nearly shrunk when she turns around and she says to him, prophet, anointed one I swear by the Lord your God that I don't even have a single piece of bread not one and I only have a handful of flour left a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug to be totally honest with you prophet I was just gathering some sticks because I'm about to cook the last meal for my son because after this, we're done. We've got nothing. You see, deep down, she must have cried out for a miracle to be broken in her life. I reckon as she saw her stocks getting lower and lower, she was crying out for a miracle in her life. And all of a sudden, a prophet turns up, but she didn't see the miracle in front of her. What it took was a prophet to come in front of her and not just say, I need some water, but I need exactly the thing that you have that you need to give in order to break open that miracle. And there will be some, and I'm just gonna share for 10 minutes today, where today is a challenge. There's, there's, there's a time when some actually try and avoid coming to church today. Just stay up with me for two more minutes, guys. The people that will avoid coming today. Because it's hard to step into that miracle, isn't it? And sometimes it takes 
and Elijah to come before us when we have nothing and saying, I'm here to help facilitate you into the miracle of God. And that's my prayer today. Because what happened for this woman, if you read on, that she was obedient to that. She gave what little she had and in the obedience that she had, there was an overflow of flour and oil for the rest of the time. There wasn't enough containers that could hold on to her stuff. There was a breaking open that occurred in this place. Her son even died and came back to life. These are miracles that occurred because she was obedient with the little. Heavenly Father, I just pray. I pray that today is not about a a currency, but Lord God, today is about an understanding and an obedience of what You are calling us to do. Heavenly Father, that it is about stepping into with what little we have in order that we can see a miracle across this city, across this community, across this state. The miracle that might be found in our lost son, in our lost daughter, in our lost family member. Lord God, I pray that before a dollar is given, before a currency is even used, Heavenly Father, there is an obedience that we will step into that, knowing that it will unlock, Lord God, miracles, family members that we have prayed for, for years, that hurt will will, will be gone, that offence will be gone. Lord God, that people will walk out of here not regretting what they have given, but stepping into what has been released for them. Lord God, I pray that. I pray that there is a release today. There's a release of the pain that we've held. Lord God, that there will be a miracle and an overflow and there will be not enough containers to hold what is coming. There will be not enough seats to hold of what is coming into your storehouse, Lord God. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys take a seat? I'm going to let our worship team even take a seat, but I'm going to keep Andrew because he's pretty good, right? He's pretty good. Wow. I got to meet Rick and his wife who were here for the very, very, very first time today in church. You guys are so welcome. And they shared with me, they're not even sure why they're here. I know why you're here. It's okay. But you guys are so welcome. And if this is new to you, this church, this is something that we do one week out of 52. And we believe in it because we want to unlock those miracles that are happening right across this city. Today is an opportunity to share with you our vision. A vision that speaks to the principles found in those three stories. In that we hunger to reach people who are on a journey of faith and we are intentional to help build strong followers of Christ. Simply put, we want to do everything we can to go after the lost. We want to do everything we can to open the doors and build the community of believers. We want to do everything we can to walk the journey or disciple alongside people. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. No one can truly find life except through me. 
That is the why to any vision. People need the hope and freedom that comes from a life that can only be found in accepting Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Last week, I shared a message on a rich, despised, deceitful man who tried to do it his own way. He lived his life free from Christ. He found power. He found riches, plenty of riches. He found a status. He was top of the tree of the job he was doing. But there was something inside of him that was empty. And as a result of his lifestyle and his actions, he had isolated the crowd from himself. And I was a little saddened that the crowd weren't prepared to go after him. But ultimately, he had to come to the realisation that he needed Jesus in his life. Some nine months ago, I was preparing to speak at C3 Devonport. And I was sitting in my motel room beforehand and God started downloading fresh manner. It was a fairly inconvenient time, to be totally honest. And as he was downloading fresh manner, I felt God say that you're getting comfortable in the crowd as well. The things in church were good. Our indicators were healthy. But as I waited on God that morning, I got the image of people. Individuals of all colours, shapes and sizes. And I felt God say to me clearly, my church is all about people. I felt Him say to me, they are my creation. I know every hair on their head. I know every thought. I know their bank balances. I know their desires. I know everything about them. And I know those who have abandoned me and are lost. But I felt Him say this to me so clearly. Though they may have walked from me, I have never walked from them. I have never forgotten about them because their value to me is priceless. Vision Builders is not about or never should be about the way I preach. Never should be about whether we get things right in a service. But it's an obedience to what God has called us to do. It's about accepting the belief that we are serious as a church about reaching the one. That as a church, we recognise that we have a purpose and a part of God's bigger plan. That as I shared last week, Vision Builders is our opportunity to speak life into that very vision that is committed to reaching the one, that is audacious in our faith, that is sacrificial in our giving, with a heart that is ready and prepared to surrender everything. One of my favourite leadership books in the entire world is a simple little book called The Way of the Shepherd. And in this book, the author uses the analogy of a shepherd 
teaching his understudy what it takes to look after the flock of sheep. And he starts by saying this, and I'll quote it. You must always know the condition of your flock because you can't manage or love what you don't know. And if you don't know them, you won't be prepared to pay a price to see them succeed. You see, deeply embedded in those three stories that we heard so well spoken was the story of a price that was paid. And when you think of it like this, the first thing we think when we, when we talk about what is the price that was paid, we think of what is the cost to us. And God knows all about cost. He paid the greatest cost when He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. He understood the cost because He understood the value of each person finding freedom in Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, Jono preached a great message on what was the potential financial cost of not just losing a few sheep, but leaving the 99 to go after the one. It made me think, why would he even, why would he even bother one single sheep out of a hundred? In many ways, it's an inconsequential number. In fact, in the, in, in the, in the manufacturing game, they use a term for it called an acceptable loss. I was actually reading the US dairy industry have an acceptable loss of 3% of all of their product. They don't even think about it. It's just gone. They don't worry where it's gone. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of litres of raw milk, but they're not worried about it because it's deemed an acceptable loss. So why in this parable would a shepherd go after one out of 100? What would be an acceptable loss? Because he understood that that one, their life is priceless. You see, the shepherd didn't just give of himself to go. He physically gave. We don't know how long he walked for. But what I love with this is he went the extra mile. You see, when something costs us, we can be quick to have an attitude of, berating or anger or frustration because it costs us something. Yet when the shepherd who left his 99 and walked after the one found that one, you'd expect him to give him a good whipping, pull off the sandal and give him a good hitting. Come on, let's go. You walked all the way out here, you can walk all the way back. No, what does he do? He puts it on his shoulders. The average weight of a Middle Eastern sheep is 66 kilos. He carried it with joy, it said, all the way home. Even though that there was a cost to him, he did it with joy. I shared last week of my life growing up in country Victoria. And my mum was pretty old school. As soon as we got home from school, it was lunch boxes in the, uh, in the sink, dirty clothes in the washing basket. And then you could go and play or you had your cup of Milo waiting to go. 
and then you could go and play. So it was pretty obvious to mum if something was missing or if we'd left our lunchbox jumper or even a single sports sock at school. And if you tried to uh, head past the sink and your lunchbox wasn't there, you quickly got the, Sean! Back on your bike, yellow BMX, up the hill and find it. And you don't come back until you found it. Which was okay with socks because you just steal somebody else's. But if it was the lunchbox or the jumper, we had to search until we found it. Why? Because my mum placed a value on it. Why? Because my mum paid a price for it. It made me think of the lady who lost the coin. The coin did nothing to find the lady. Jono shared with us, it was an innate object. It's a bit of metal sitting on the ground. It doesn't even know it's lost. And sadly, there are so many people out in our community who don't even know they're lost. They don't even know we're looking for them. That's the saddest part. I shared, I won't get stuck on it, but I shared at Dark Mofa a few weeks ago. I was the dangerous thought because I was sharing about Jesus Christ. Our community don't even know they're lost. But Jesus presents this scenario on brief verses and says, Oh, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweeps a house and searches carefully until she finds it. The cost for this woman was significant. She would have had only a certain amount of oil for her lamp. It was now the middle of the day. She's putting on a lamp and burning her oil in order to find one coin, one drachma that is on the ground, on a dirt paddock on the ground and it says she sweeps and she sweeps and she goes again and she goes again until she finds it. She could have easily have thought, well, actually, if I equate this, I'm burning up oil, so it's not a very good financial decision, isn't it? When I'm trying to find one coin. It's not very smart of me financially. And it's physically taxing me. You see, the two currencies that the, that, that the opposition will, will put to us is our money and our time. Yet this woman searched and searched and searched. And then I love this part. When she finds it, she goes overboard, right? She calls out to her neighbours who probably didn't even care what she's doing anyway. And she says to her neighbours, come and celebrate with me because what was lost is now found. The Middle Eastern culture is very clear. When you invite someone to your house, the party's on you. People don't bring a box of favourites. They don't bring the burger rings the Fanta, the party's on you. And so here she is, it's cost her financially to light a lamp. It's cost her time and physically to sweep a floor looking for one coin. And when she does, she understands the value 
and she says, invites her friends and says, come and party with me. I never valued our school jumper or lunchbox. To be honest, I didn't give a rip about them. But this is the point. I didn't value them because I didn't pay for them. Didn't cost me anything. And in this story, in the story of the lost sheep, they searched because the value meant something. There's so much more I could share on. I haven't even got to the third story, right? Let me just share this. Even though God has nine of his ten coins, he's greedy, he wants all of them. Even though we've got a healthy church, a growing church, that when I was sitting in my motel room in Devonport, I was like, yeah, God, it's okay. We're doing good. He said, no, it's not. He said, because there are so many out there don't even know they're lost yet. He said, we've got to go after them. We've got to get a little bit uncomfortable. We've got to have a team of people that are going to go down into a multi-purpose room in the Huon Valley and give of their time and their effort and their finances and set up in order that we will see people come in from right across the valley. And when they're finished, when they're finished hearing the Word of God, guess what? There's more work to do because you've got to pack it all up again. We've got a team down there. We're in week 13. I have never seen a sad face on that team setting up. Why? I've seen tears. But they're tears because they're seeing people coming in who were lost and are now being found. I shared last week that we've got a baptism down there in a couple of weeks' time with one person. It doubled overnight. We've got two going happening. And we're going to be believing on more. It's no wonder that the father runs to his son when he's a long way off. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the text where it's not the father's sitting there scribing or trying to fix something or other and the son taps him on the shoulders, the, the, the scriptures are really clear to us. It says that he sees him from a long way off. To, to me, if you see someone from a long way off, you've got to be looking, right? Because you don't see what you're not looking for. And so the father had already gone through the emotional pain of losing his son losing his inheritance, losing that finances that he could have ploughed back into the field, make the house a little bit better. But I am believing that each and every day he looked out, hoping, praying, declaring that his son would return because he knew the value in his son. I'm going to conclude. I'm going to leave the worship team down for a little bit. It's okay. I think it's an important time for you guys to be with family. I could bring Christelle up here for you, Andrew. 
Christelle, have you got Isabel with you? Why don't you come up and stand next to Andrew? Today is about looking beyond the natural cost of sacrifice and believing in a vision for the future. A future that creates a legacy for our children and our, for our community. We stand here today because we were blessed by a family that came down from Sydney 24 years ago and sacrificed and sowed into and encouraged hundreds and thousands of people to give in order that we can do what we're doing right now. We have an opportunity now to leave a legacy for our children, our community. A future that is premised on the fact that the value of one is priceless and that as a church we've been given a, a mandate to go after that very one. In just one moment I'm going to ask those we've, we've asked to pray if they could start coming out the front. Because what we're going to do is a little bit different is that we're going to place some baskets along the front here and in just a moment I'm going to ask you to just take some time might be by yourself or might be with your partner. Your kids have returned to the back of the room and they'll be released to you in just a moment because this is about family. And there may be some who haven't yet decided on, on, on an amount and I want to reiterate this. It is between you and God. Marilla and I don't even look at the amount. We, we just are thankful and we pray for every single person giving. We pray for every single person in this room. We pray for the heart. But as we come to give, I want to finish with a story that I've shared once before. And I want to share it once again. Because I believe the story of this farmer is the story of our church. And as I finish this story, I'm going to encourage you to come as a worship team come. They can then come up and just join in and, you know, we'll hear different sounds coming through. It's beautiful when the sounds will just be multiplied. Who's looking forward to that in heaven? When there's sounds that will be multiplied and you'll kind of hear these strings coming from here and this brass coming from here and these angelic voices coming from wherever. Yeah, I don't even think we'll know where to turn, right? We can have heaven on earth. We can fellowship. We can bring people into a place where they can find the presence of God right here. So as I finish the story, I want to encourage you just in your time, just come. There was a farmer who lived in the corn growing districts of the United States. And each year this farmer entered his product in the state fair and each year it won first prize. The man and his corn crops were so dominating that a newspaper reporter decided that he must go and interview this farmer with the hope of learning his secret strategy for growing winning crops. As the interview went on, the journalist was staggered. He had expected to hear of massive labour costs, secret chemicals or farming techniques. Yet simply put, the father, farmer 
believed in legacy. He believed that by creating a legacy, not just for himself, but for his community, that he could never lose. So instead of keeping what he had for himself, at the start of every crop season, he would generously share his best seed corn with his neighbours, those who were against him. Not just one neighbour, but neighbours on every side and as far as he could see, which prompted the confused journalist to ask what seemed the obvious question, how can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbours when they are entering in competitions against you every year? And he said this, why don't you know? Every year the wind picks up pollen from the ripening crops and swirls it from field to field. And so if my neighbours grow inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of mine. And therefore, if I'm to, to, to create a legacy for our community and for our generation and for our children to come, it is imperative that I do everything I can to help my neighbours grow the best corn they can today. Church, I believe that we will start making a difference when there is community outrage if we didn't exist. If we want to see our family, our neighbours, our workmates reach for Christ, it starts with the attitude of this farmer. An attitude that simply cannot hide the gift that God has given us. An attitude that says the value of one is priceless. We thank you. We're blessed to walk this journey with you guys. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.